0: Hello friend, it's Aidy Tilford back again for another day in this every day in a week podcast experience I've been experimenting with. Thanks for being here with me. I so appreciate your listening support. Remember one way to share the love and get this podcast more listeners is to give it a review and a rating. And so if you'll do that wherever you listen, that'd be so helpful to me. Or just share it with someone via text message or email or on social media. And, you know, if you liked even just one episode out of the last 14, please think about just sharing that one. And for every one time that the message gets shared, that's one more person who maybe finds hope in a way that you've experienced it. And that's always a good thing. Today, we're continuing in our series on rest, laying down advocacy, and receiving. And I'm actually going to end this particular part of the series today. I've had a revelation of heart change, and I'll tell you all about it tomorrow. But for now, I want to dive into some things I learned about God as an advocate when I accepted the invitation to lay down advocacy. The first lesson that I want to share with you is that I learned and I'm still learning that God will take care of it, whatever it might be, if I'll let him take care of it. If you've been following along, you might remember that I shared how scared I felt when I realized that God's full invitation to lay down advocacy included laying down advocacy for my children. My fear stemmed from the very real experience I've had as a mother advocating for trauma-informed awareness and practices in the school system. So imagine my surprise when the place that tension arose for advocacy during this three-month period was not in the school setting, but a different setting entirely. And without sharing too much of my child's story, I will just let you know that I left Grand Junction on September 10th to attend the Transforming Centers retreat in a bit of a tizzy. As I got off the plane, Sam and I had been sending back and forth text messages about this situation. And I sent Sam a text that read, okay, when we get back, I need to set up a meeting. And then in this gut punch of a moment, I had conviction. How is it possible to lay down advocacy And be setting up meetings. And even though I didn't want to admit it at the time. I knew that my heart was not in the right place. And I was not being obedient to the invitation to lay down advocacy. So I did send a follow-up text to my husband that said. Okay, I don't know how to lay down advocacy and set up meetings at the same time. I made my way to the retreat and I turned off my phone. But don't you worry, I didn't turn off my mind. Interestingly enough, the situation that held so much tension for me around speaking up on behalf of my child continued to climb into my consciousness. At first, I pushed it away, thinking there must be more important things for me to focus on. Then Ruth Haley Barton taught us about distractions that arise during silence and solitude. Okay, this situation must be a distraction, I thought. So I tried her suggestion. I let it float by like a cloud in the sky. And that did seem to work better than pushing it aside. If you haven't listened to my encounter watching God create the cosmos during my silence and solitude practice at the Transforming Center retreat, you can listen to that story using the link in the show notes. I told it last week as part of the series on the word recover. If you have listened, you will know that I laid in my bed that afternoon somewhat begrudgingly rather than taking a long walk like I wanted to. But after the life-changing message in which God revealed that my mother's sorrow was turned into mercy during my very creation, I decided it was okay at that point to go for a walk. I put my $2 lime green poncho on and I stepped out into the rain. I eventually made my way toward the lake, looking for a path that wound around. I didn't find a path, but I did find a garden. The garden was fenced off and there were a variety of plants, flowers, trees, and shrubs. And there was also a giant poster. I'm talking like billboard size poster of Jesus. And at the bottom of this poster, it said, Jesus, I trust in you. Wildly enough, that is part of the last line of the novena of surrender that I spent an entire year praying. It's also the line that I turned into my breath prayer last summer when I studied Ruth Haley Barton's book, Sacred Rhythms, and I discovered in that time this deep longing that God would take care of it, whatever it was that God would maybe essentially take care of me. Maybe, like, God would be my advocate. So I was standing there looking at this giant poster of Jesus and thinking, I don't. I don't trust you. I really want to trust you, Jesus. I mean, this is what I'm writing about and preaching about and teaching about. It's the work that I'm trying to do in my home and in my professional life. And I mean, I really want to trust you, Jesus. But you know what? There's this situation that keeps climbing its way to the forefront of my consciousness. And this is an example right here of how I don't actually trust you to take care of things. I keep trying to grasp for control. And maybe sometimes that's what my advocacy has been about. My desire to remain in control of something. To keep trying to make it work out my way. I stood there in the rain. I'm so sorry, Jesus. And then I sensed this impression, this response of love. Oh, Daughter, I will take care of it if you let me. And for some reason, this time, I believed it was true. And I at least thought that maybe by letting go of my hands-on approach, I would be letting go of some perceived outcome. But the reality was that whether my hands remained tangled in what wasn't mine to move or not, the outcome was not in my control either way. In that moment i was reminded of the father who cried out to jesus i want to believe help my unbelief i thought the same thing i want to trust jesus help my mistrust and then i continued my walk and through another series of experiences that maybe i'll share another time god revealed that my next step When I returned home was to return mercy to my mother. It was such a powerful afternoon, encounters and revelations and connections with God. I returned to my room overwhelmed by this intimacy that I had experienced with the divine. And I still had 45 minutes before rejoining the group and leaving the silence and solitude behind. So I laid down. I really felt like rest was probably what I needed. But you know what? I laid down and that same sneaky situation that was in my bag leaving the plane made its way right back into my mind. But now I knew this was the exact kind of thing that I wasn't really giving to Jesus. And this is what I wrote in my journal. Back to that same situation. The one I can't shake. What do you want me to do, Lord, as you take care of it? And I sensed this phrase, curiosity over condemnation. And then I prayed, I want to be an advocate for my children, as long as you are guiding the process. It doesn't have to be and shouldn't be all on my shoulders. You will take care of it. If I let you. The second lesson I've learned and am learning about God as my advocate is that my busyness, even the kind of busy that comes from good intentions, might stem from feeling helpless, voiceless, and powerless, and my deep desire to try to gain some sense of control toward a situation. So a few weeks after that walk in the rain, I found myself wanting once again to step up and step in on behalf of one of my children. Honestly, it was the same situation, not resolved to my liking. The outcome wasn't where I wanted it to be yet. And even though there had been a very clear answer to prayer from the weekend I was in Chicago, I found myself back in that metaphorical pit pleading with God one evening. In the obedience of laying down advocacy, I felt it, completely helpless, powerless, and voiceless. And my spirit cried out to God, asking why he would ask me to lay down my voice. And you know what? This night was the start of an awareness in me. Because I had intellectually been told I'd read it. I've even sort of believed that some of my choices to act were tied to these unresolved emotions from childhood losses. But suddenly I had this very real and concrete experience to tie them to. My busy is a way to keep those feelings from jack-in-the-boxing me. My tears meant something different that night. The next day God again moved a barrier in the situation and the only thing I did was stop and wait. God slowly showed me that sometimes my best move is to trust in his movement more than my own. Lesson number three, God will invite you into the action when the timing is right and give you the skills you need to advocate the way that is needed. Notice I didn't say that God's going to give you the skills you need to advocate the way that will work or get you what you want. God's in this story for you and me, and also all the people we might refer to as enemy. Or maybe they aren't an enemy, but it feels that way at times. So when the time finally arrived to have a conversation around the situation, God wrapped me up in this invitation with beautiful reminders from Scripture. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. One morning, Annie F. Down's devotional, Chase the Fun, reminded me. Hey, there's someone following you, listening to your stories, watching how you live, and they are learning from you. <laughs> do you know what revelation hit me? I have two little girls watching how I handle this situation. And the reflection in that devotional asked me to think about getting input from someone who might not be invited to share otherwise. That God gave me of what to do While I was waiting for God to act because, friend, isn't that the hardest part? When you are waiting, what do you do while you wait? That phrase, curiosity over condemnation, continued to wind its way around my heart, even up to the minute before exiting my car and heading into that conversation. Although there were other lessons, the final lesson I'd like to share is that sometimes I'm not needed and my voice matters and is needed. Ooh, a good both and for us today. (sighs) Throughout my sabbatical, I built in time for silence and solitude. The retreat in September was my first experience. In October, I spent an entire day between school drop off and school pickup in silence and solitude. That morning, I sat on a blanket next to a shimmering lake on the Grand Mesa, surrounded by magnificence and incredible beauty. I remember saying, what do you have for me today, God? And I sensed this reply, isn't this enough? You are not needed. Oh my gosh, let's talk about a trigger. Certainly, that wasn't the end of what God was whispering to my spirit. If I would have been able to sit and listen, perhaps I would have heard, look at this beauty and understand that you don't have to be anywhere but here right now. Your world is covered, so you can just be here with me. But what happened instead is that my brain registered, you're not needed, and boom, I spiraled into a shame-filled message. Not needed, no purpose, not wanted, but here's the thing I had prepared a little bit going into this session of silence and solitude. You know that Jesus spent over 40 days and nights in silence and solitude, and Satan came for him in that time. There was lie after lie, temptation after temptation, and you know how Jesus responded? He used scripture. So I took out the one source of external input I had brought with me, my Bible, and I started to search for scripture around being made with good works in mind. I, I knew it in my heart, but I didn't know where it was. It's in Ephesians, but I didn't find it that day. Instead, I found another scripture from Romans, and it re-centered me in understanding that God was actually inviting me into something beautiful up there in the wilderness in that moment and that I could join God in that work, or I could keep on searching for something else. And somewhere in the middle of all that contemplation, a thought began to sprout from a seed planted by that great gardener of ours. My voice is needed, it's important, and it matters to God's kingdom on earth. You know what? That's a truth for you, my dear listening friend. You matter. Your voice matters. Your story matters. You are needed for the works that were made just for you. But every once in a while, maybe you'll receive the gift of not being needed. And maybe in that moment of time, you will get to just enjoy and delight in what God does because you don't have a bigger job than that thank you so much for listening today. May awesome things happen for you. I'll talk to you tomorrow.